the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And we are continuing our voyage across dark and dangerous waters. It's another Summer of Sharks episode. And this time we're going back to 1984 for Lamberto Barber's Devilfish. Or is it Devilfish? Or is it Devouring Waves? Or is it Monster Shark? Or is it Red Ocean? Anyway, it's one of those. We're continuing our Summer of Sharks. And it's an Italian entry this week. It's from the mid-80s. It is Devilfish, which is directed by John Old Jr. But as most people know who are into Italian cinema, John Old Jr. is a pseudonym for Lamberto Barber. Lamberto is one of the foremost makers of Italian cinema, certainly during the 80s. He's done many great movies. This one might not be quite up there with the rest of them. And we must preface this by saying, is this really a shark movie? I'm not really sure what kind of predator that they were trying to present in this one. But Devilfish, or whatever the hell it's called, did ride the popularity waves post-Jaws success. And this is one of the lesser-known Jaws rip-offs. So when you do watch this, it does follow all the similar tropes that we're familiar with. However, does it hold up? Let's find out. But before we get into the discussion on Devilfish or Monster Shark or whatever you want to call it, I'm going to read a synopsis by the one, the only brilliant Nick Rigards. Gruesome findings in the middle of the ocean and mysterious occurrences off the Florida coast terrify the locals, forcing Sheriff Gordon and marine biologists Dr. Stella Dickens and Dr. Bob Hogan to investigate. More and more, as the news spreads like wildfire, the two scientists find evidence of a terrible underwater monstrosity that is devouring unsuspecting fishermen and swimmers alike, and that somehow the West Ocean Institute has something to do with the rogue beast that roams the seabed. But what kind of aquatic man-eating terror stains the waters red? Fantastic synopsis as always. I think he just made that sound so much better than the film itself. (laughs) It's not one of the greatest movies on Lamberto's filmography. It's a bit of a mishmash of everything. As you say, it's kind of a Jaws rip-off. There are lots and lots of scenes that you would expect to see in a shark movie. There's an autopsy. There are unsuspecting fishermen that get attacked. There's a marine biologist. There are dolphins. So there's kind of, it's a bit Jaws 3 sort of, but not really. And 
Yeah, it's fun, and I always enjoy watching this movie. But is it a good movie? Not really, because it's all over the place. But there's so much ridiculously quotable dialogue in it, and some utterly baffling decisions. It took four people to write this movie. What were they doing? And not only does it have a shark-like monster terrorising the unsuspecting victims of Florida, it also has a murder subplot going on, which is all interlinked with the Predator. But I found those sequences quite dark and unsettling. There is an uncomfortable level of violence against women in this film. And it's the kind of violence you'd probably expect from a Jallo. But I honestly felt a little bit disturbed, especially by the first murder scene where this towering bloke is going after this poor woman and murders her in quite a brutal way. But before that, like stripping her to her bare breasts. And it's just a very disturbing take on sexual violence, I think, which you don't always expect to see in shark movies. So I thought that was a bit out of left field. Mm. It's tonally contrasting to what the rest of the film is like because we're dealing with some undescribable shark octopus dinosaur type beast i don't even know what the creature is meant to be because we don't really see it as well and i found that the film takes quite a slow burn approach and we're waiting quite a while to see what this creature is going to look like and it really does take its time with it to the point where you know come on let's see this creature now and they even tease you at one point where you do see a shark swimming underwater and it, it does fool you into thinking, oh, this is going to be a typical uh, run-of-the-mill shark movie. It's just going to be a low-budget Jaws. But actually, as they say, it's this prehistoric dinosaur octopus monstrosity. So we're just waiting to see this. And, and I think with the, the right effects, this could have been quite spectacular. But they've just got some very badly constructed puppets so it's not a spectacle that you would uh, want to expect from this yeah there's even a monster shark creator credited in the end titles of this they've got somebody there who's willing to put their name to this and fair enough in glimpses of it i guess it looks okay it's very toothy but when you actually see it for more than half a second it's not very good in fact, I am going to, I'm not even going to stick my neck out here. I'm going to just say it's crap. It's absolute rubbish, the creature. Considering that its destructive power is, is absolutely awesome. It's ripping people's limbs off. But when you actually see it, it's ridiculous. You're just thinking, how is this thing just attacking people? And it's full of non sequiturs as well. Scenes will just cut for no reason at all. Really bluntly as well. There's one point where... There's, the, in the sort of murder subplot, one of the doctors is having an affair with the wife of his colleague. And this is like where the unfortunate Florinda ends up getting murdered. And she walks across the office as they're in a bit of a clinch. And she spots them. And then the uh, the woman who's who's having the affair goes, that's, and it just goes, thump, and like there's a massive cut. And it just jumps into something else. And this movie's full of that stuff. It's edited with a rusty hacksaw, but I've got a lot of affection for it, apart from the fact that, as you say, the treatment of women isn't great in this movie. It's very Italian, I have to say, from the 80s. Women get slapped about, chased, they get their clothes torn off. Typical Italian exploitation fair. And you're right about the giallo, the opening murder, 
where Florinda does get killed. It's very much like a Jello because somebody turns up a house, there's a bit of a chase, and then there's kind of a fairly drawn out and quite unpleasant murder, which, as you say, it's not usual in shark movies that this sort of thing keeps turning up. But the rest of it is so silly. It's just unbelievable. And the dialogue exchanges are absolute gold. Early on, Dr. Bob is talking about the sonar recording he's heard of this creature. And Dr. Stella is asking him what it's like. And he said, it sounded like hate. It was full of hate. And she goes, hate? Yes, hate. Hate's a good word. Hate. I was like, yeah, we know it was full of hate. But then they just discard it because you're thinking, well, what's it driven by? It's not particularly driven by hate. It's just a massive bloody monster that's chewing on fishermen and tourists and everything else. But yeah, it's it's such a such an odd way to go about making a shark movie. As well. And I think it works kind of because it's so different. But there are things in this movie where I cannot stop laughing because it's so clumsily done. I mean, the computer messaging element of it. There's stuff on computers, but this computer will talk as well. So if you say no data found on the screen, it will say no data found. So it's obviously a very advanced computer. It's talking back to you. On the subject of no data found as well, uh, thick as mince police sheriff, he looks at this on the screen and it says no data found. And he says, what does that mean? And then somebody (laughs) has to explain to him what no data found means and i couldn't remember that exchange of dialogue i'd not seen it for a while and i had to stop the movie at this point because i was pissing myself laughing and this guy goes into great detail about the fact that they've just not they've nothing on the records to identify this sea creature and just from this like guy going what does no data found mean it's bloody obvious they don't have any data on it It's absolutely full of dialogue exchanges like this. And I appreciate that it was probably not written in English as the first language. And it had to be translated. And there's a lot of dubbing in it. But even so, uh, didn't they run it by somebody? Because somebody must have looked at this dialogue. Some of the actors, I mean, Michael Sopkiver, who is the lead in this, he's... American. He was born in Connecticut. He might have moved around Europe. He might have appeared in a few Italian movies. I mean, I guess he hadn't appeared in many movies at that point. But if he'd have looked at the dialogue, didn't he kind of think, this is stupid. This is stupid, this dialogue. Anyway, doesn't matter because it's a quick, cheap Italian knockoff of Jaws. And I don't think that my take on the fact that the craft of the movie should be a lot better than it is. I don't think anybody cares in this movie. It was like, right, are we going to make a Jaws ripoff? Yeah. There you go. Big monster. What's it like? Is it a shark? Is it an octopus? Is it something else? It's never satisfactorily explained, even though it's called monster shark in some territories. And even though the creature is referred to as a monster shark in the end credits. Well, at one point they say it's a shark's ancestor, which is fair enough. It's kind of a prehistoric shark. But at the end, as you kind of find out, it's been genetically engineered by this dastardly company to control the marine wildlife and obviously it gets out of control and they have to destroy it it qualifies for summer of sharks but only just and there's long sequences where people will argue whether or not it is a shark at one point somebody says yeah it definitely is a shark and then the main guy peter michael sopkeef says 
I'll bet my ass it's not a shark. So all these things working against each other. So half of the time it's like, oh, it must be a shark. And the other half of the time, everybody's going, oh, this is definitely not a shark. A shark couldn't have done this. What's going on in this movie? But apart from the dodgy sexual politics and this, you know, there's always somebody that's going to get slapped in an Italian 80s movie. And it's always a woman. And it's always really brutally done as well. So apart from that stuff, if you get to the shark bits, then the shark bits are just unbelievably dumb and funny. But does it make for an entertaining evening in? I guess it depends on what your tolerance of crap is. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think this at some point they describe the monster as a living fossil. I think it gets uh, that tag on it as well. And I think if you appreciate bad English dubbing in old Italian horror movies, this is definitely going to be your bag. I believe that each actor were all, um, they were all of different nationalities and they spoke in their native language. So it was a case of speak it in your native language, we'll just dub over it. They, they just didn't care. And it always looks so funny when you watch this back. You think, how did they think this was going to look authentic at all? But I think that adds to the charm of these type of movies. And, you know, it is very much a campy Italian 80s horror movie. But as I say, it is juxtaposed with this really uncomfortable level of violence against women that it feels like two different movies at one point. And as you say, the slapping of that woman is really brutal. And um, as I say, the guy that's going around murdering people, he's like this really tall, towering, brutish type. And I'm just sitting there thinking, come on, kick his ass, kick his ass. And it doesn't work out that way. And it's horrible. So I think I didn't like that element of it. And I think that's because... I'm of a different generation and we're so used to seeing more kick-ass women, especially in horror. And even though there were kick-ass women in horror movies of that day as well, I mean, we're going back to, you know, say Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Halloween. It was the start of that construct of the final girl. But this film doesn't take that into account because shark movies are different to slasher movies in that sense. They're more of an ensemble piece. You don't really have that final girl in these older movies compared to how they are now. I suppose the movie we covered last week, The Reef, obviously we did have a final girl in that. So I think it just depends on the movie. But this was very much, as we said, the cheap Jaws knockoff. And it was just following that trend at the time. The score, there's this typical 80s horror synth score going on. To my delight, I realised it was composed by Fabio Fritzi as the credits rolled. So a little bit of background here. Darren and I have met Fabio Fritzi. We've actually met Lamberto Bavo. We've met these people because we've been fortunate enough to attend festivals where they've been there. But even though meeting Lamberto Bavo, I was not aware of this film at the time. I'm very much a fan of Demons. And I think, you know, arguably that's one of his best works, if not his best. Yeah, this is forgettable compared to his other works. I think that's the reality of it. I find it fascinating that there's so many title changes. I mean, what is going on? To the point where I was trying to jot down the score for Rotten Tomatoes, which will come later in the episode, and it took me a while to find it. And this is the first time that I've had trouble finding a film on Rotten Tomatoes. So I type in Devilfish, I get nothing. I then type in Monster Shark, it comes up as Devilfish. <laughs> I you that. So I was like, oh, at least I found it. So that's, that's uh, something. But... It definitely is quite interesting of why they have so many different names for it. Why couldn't they just settle on one title? But I suppose it's that whole idea of rebranding and marketing. 
and trying to get the film reaching different audiences. But ultimately, it wants to be that film that says, if you love Jaws, you're going to love this. Unfortunately, if you love Jaws, you're definitely not going to love this. As Darren says, you've got to have a tolerance for crap. It's an acquired taste, and you have got to have that affection for Italian B-movies from the 80s. But as I say, it's campy, but it's also a very sleazy movie as well, as we've established. It definitely has that sleazy undertone in it. And it's been a while since I've watched a movie of that genre, so I've forgotten how sleazy some of these movies can be. Yeah, you're right about Italian B-cinema. And I do have a lot of affection for that period of filmmaking, but it is also highly problematic in any number of ways. And I guess people looking at it with a modern eye are going to be horrified at some of the stuff that goes on in this movie. I can put it into context because I grew up watching this sort of shit. I'm not saying it's acceptable. Some of the stuff that happens on screen, you wouldn't get away with it now. But it is the sort of stuff that I used to rent on video. I clearly remember renting Devouring Waves. It was on Medusa Home Video and Medusa released all sorts of stuff. And I remember Devouring Waves being trailered for quite a long time and thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I think I was slightly knocked off balance when I thought it wasn't that great. But it does make me nostalgic for the simpler times of the post-video nasties wave of, of movies. Some of the stuff in this, though, some of the deaths are fantastic in this. And it's not the shark deaths that are the most fantastic. There is a guy who has a heart attack at a hospital, and it's so funny. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen, because all of a sudden, he goes into cardiac arrest, and this doctor's got some defibrillators. He's bashing him with these paddles, and he does it God knows how many times you think, well, surely you're going to have to wait a couple of seconds for them to recharge. But no, he's, he's thrashing the fuck out of this guy. And then he's shouting for the nurse, saying, oh, I need four milligrams of adrenaline. And the nurse takes absolutely ages to get this adrenaline shot. And then the guy carks it. In the corner of the screen, you see the needle appear. And the nurse says, here's the adrenaline. It's like, he's dead. <laughs> it's too late. And uh, that was another point where I had to stop the film because... Well, I was nearly having a heart attack from laughing at that. And then afterwards, to cap it off, once they've established that he's dead, well, he's clearly dead, but it seems to take a while, the guy says something like, um, it was fear. Fear stopped his heart. It's like, oh, come on. But at the same time, I was thinking, great, that's the sort of line I'm looking for. Also, one of the doctors, the bad guy doctor, gets shot late in the movie. And his death from the shot, it's astonishing. The noises that this guy makes before he dies, I couldn't control myself. Again, it's just so stupid. They shoot him, they shoot him in the chest, and he's just gasping. He's trying to get his dying words out. And then all of a sudden, his death scene takes a completely different turn. And suddenly he's overacting for all his words. So he's gone from almost expiring to having a sudden lease of life to thrash about and scream and it's so odd and i can't believe that somebody directed that lamberto Bava is a lovely bloke and he's a great director but when you see something like this it's not a great example of his craft and something about me thinks you know did he actually say to this guy i want you to do this i'm slightly off with that i don't i don't buy it to be perfectly honest this guy probably just thought oh it's my last bit of the movie. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to put this really, really effective death scene together. 
and it's absolutely bloody ridiculous. Absolutely, and I think um, we definitely should sign you up for Gogglebox because I think watching Darren watch these sorts of movies would be quite entertaining <laughs> and see his reaction. Going back to the exploitation of the film, they actually cast real amputees to play the murder victims. So while that obviously cuts down the budget for special effects, it's very uncomfortable to discuss like how they pitched this movie to these people and, and how that whole casting came about. So I, I do think it is very exploitative. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And when I first saw it, when the winched the guy out at the start and he's got like no legs, it's been, and I was thinking, like, my God, how did they do that? That's amazing. And then I actually found out how they did it and I thought, oh, God. <laughs> it's just, just the Italian movie industry in action there. And I guess you're right, it does cut down on the special effects, but there is something slightly uncomfortable. And, and Italian movies did this quite a lot. I think there's an amputee in the thing at one point but one of the effects i think they did cast an amputee when the doctor gets his arms ripped off i think that but i think that was done with probably a lot more subtlety and a lot more care than this italian exploitation stuff because basically it was just turn it out as quickly as possible get it onto video and it wasn't even really for the italian market yes they would have put it out there but they had one eye basically on the American market and probably the Japanese market as well, because they thought, right, let's do something quick, stupid and gory. We know we can flog this in the United States, and they clearly did. Different titles as well. I think it was originally shot as, well, to translate the Italian title it was shot under, it was going to be Shark Red in the Ocean. So that was the original shooting title before it got the three million other titles that this thing goes under. Absolutely ridiculous. But again, it was Italian cinema. They would rebadge, retitle films, sometimes to suit the market, but sometimes to get another life out of them because Bay of Blood, the uh, Mario Barber film, we're going to, going to Lamberto's dad, but Bay of Blood's got so many titles. It's like Carnage, Twitch of the Death Nerve. And I guess that sometimes when they were putting these films back out in the States, I bet there were some people that went to see Twitch of the Death Nerve and then went to see Bay of Blood under another title and sat there and thought, I've seen this movie before. So if you do want to check out Devilfish, you can find it on YouTube. Someone has kindly uploaded it for free. I wouldn't recommend paying for this movie, I have to be honest. Sorry if that sounds really bad of me. But when you actually start watching the movie, the title flashes up as Monster Shark. So I had to do a lot of backpedaling and double checking because I was like, am I watching the correct movie? Because we could have come on here and we would have been discussing something completely different. And also Lewis Coates was involved in this as well. Another big name in Italian 80s cinema. He, of course, is Luigi Cozzi, another icon of that genre who we have actually met in person as well. So I think everybody, all the, the big guns of cheesy Italian horror were definitely involved in this. But it's not their best or most memorable work. I think that's what's a bit disappointing about it because you see all these names you think oh this might be half decent but again it was just being churned out to hit the jaws market it just didn't land and i think that with having the word shark in the title they are going to want to target people who enjoy shark movies who or who particularly like jaws at the time but it's not actually accurate of the film because even though you do see a shark at one point in it you'll see dolphins and the monster isn't really a shark. It doesn't really look like a shark. It's more tentacly. 
you see more tentacles of this beast than anything else. So I think it is like some sort of octopus prehistoric weird thing. So I think actually changing the title to Devil Fish, it's not really a fish either, is it? I mean, why couldn't they have something to do with octopus in here? I, I don't know. I think, yeah, the titles are very off balance. Nothing actually captures what this film is about. Yeah. And it's full of characters as well. There's quite a lot of characters that they introduce into this movie. So you've got the scientist, you've got the marine biologist, you've got Peter, who doesn't seem to have a surname. He's the expert sound guy who gets dragged along. There are cops. There's all sorts of people. There's a paleontologist that gets introduced. Of course, she's a woman paleontologist, so she gets slapped around and dies because it's an Italian movie. And I think it is one of those things that the women are not very kick-ass in this movie, which it is disappointing, even if you're enjoying the movie as you're going along. Valentine Monnier, who is the female lead, she's Dr. Stella Dickens, she's given almost nothing to do in this movie, apart from many, many opportunities to just stand there and look pretty, which she does incredibly well. Valentine Monnier is a stunningly attractive actress. But they're given nothing to do. Oh, apart from she has to be a damsel in distress a couple of times. She has to get rescued, which is, you know, it's not going to fly, that sort of thing today. But that's just how Italian genre cinema was back then. There are very few examples of Italian genre cinema in which the women aren't screaming, running away, waiting for a guy to save them. If you're not used to that sort of cinema, it does take you back a bit. This movie, some of it is unpleasant, but generally the clumsiness gets in the way because when something daft is going to happen or when something gory is going to happen it's never very convincing and the bit at the end where people are getting attacked by the shark octopus whatever it is it's very brief you don't see a lot of special effects it's very stupid even the big henchman the henchman who's been going around murdering the women when he gets killed, it's just ridiculous. It's just him thrashing about with this effects tentacle wrapped about him. There's no suspense. This is the problem, I think, with this movie. If, if you're going into it not to enjoy how terrible it is, there is absolutely zero suspense in this movie. And the climax where they're luring the octopus shark, whatever the fuck it is, I couldn't get the geography of the place. It's like, where have they taken it? Where's he going? Right, have they trapped it somewhere? Doesn't seem like they've trapped him anywhere because it's an open stretch of water. Where is it? Where's it going? Who's this? Then there's this police team involved and they're setting the water on fire. It's like, okay, so they're here now and he, and the, the the main guy's there and the marine biologist there. It's like, what? no, hold on a minute. Now, what's happening now? And the ending is just so rushed and clumsy. It's like, right, okay, we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to do. We're not going to be able to capture it. We're not going to be able to kill it because apparently it reproduces. So if it gets to reproduce, it'll spawn millions of octopus shark hybrids. There's a race against the clock, which suddenly changes. One minute, they've got 12 hours. And then at the end of the next scene, he said, oh, we might have eight hours. It's like, wh where did the four hours go? The ending, it's just, it's chaos. There's people getting torn out of boats. There's things on fire. All of a sudden, it's like, there you go, it's dead. Oh, okay, right, is that it? Yeah, it does end very abruptly. And the actual ending, then we get a bit of a epilogue at the end, and it just ends on a really cheesy freeze frame of the two main characters, and the credits roll. 
and that just feels like a very soapy ending considering this has been a horror movie slash creature feature b movie and it ends a bit like a cheesy australian soap opera that's how it comes across to me yeah it does actually yeah it does because at the end there's a joke because obviously they've been on the water all the time of the game getting attacked and peter gets to take his vacation he's been trying to take a vacation the whole movie so he rolls up and he says, right, I've finally got my holiday together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off on vacation. And Dr. Stella says, oh, where are we going? So there's kind of a romantic spark between them at the end. And she asks him where they're going. And he goes, the mountains. And they go, ha, 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 freeze frame. And it's like, yeah, OK. I'll let him off with that gag at the end, but it is terrible. It's in line with the rest of the movie. I don't know what I was expecting that they'd close with some really, really witty piece of dialogue because the rest of the movie doesn't have any wit in it. It is thrown together. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It's kind of an espionage thriller. It's a bit of a jello. It's a shark movie that doesn't really have a proper shark in it, apart from the one that swims past. It's a mishmash of loads and loads of stuff. And to any normal fan of cinema, I would just say steer well clear of this movie because Lamberto Barber has made so many better movies than this. However, if you me. Part of me absolutely loves this film. I don't know why. It's my disease. I don't want to pass it on to anybody else. But there's something about this movie that gives me joy, even though some of it is, as you say, sleazy, and some of it is quite unpleasant. But it is so cack-handedly done that I just end up falling about. The second half, it just gets more and more daft. Some of the dialogue is so bad that I cannot get enough of it. I was falling about for most of the second half. That's not to take away any of the talent involved, because as you said, you know, Lamberto, he's made some great movies. Luigi Cozzi, he's made some pretty good stuff. Fabio Fritzi, his score's great. There's nothing wrong with the score. Fabio Fritzi always delivers really good scores, and he's an extremely nice bloke as well. It's just a massive misfire on all counts. So for everybody else in the world, you're not going to like this. For me, can't get enough of it. I think for you, it is based on nostalgia, pure and simple. You have an affection for these movies because they're part of your youth. And it's the same thing for me with my affinity for teen 90s and naughty slashers. I think, you know, they're not always going to be great movies, but I think it depends on the context of when you saw the movie. And if you were used to that sort of type of movie growing up, it's definitely got that nostalgic factor attached to it and there are going to be people out there like you Darren and we've met several people like you well not quite like you but some people that have the similar film taste <laughs> uh, lots of different horror events so there are there are, is an audience for this and for me I think a good context for this film now would be a bad film club setup it's a collective cinematic experience not a sitting on your own on a Sunday afternoon watching it unless you're Darren basically I think for the casual cinema goer who isn't used to this kind of film, I just don't necessarily think it's, as I say, it's an acquired taste mm. and it's not a very progressive film. Oh no. It doesn't really hold up. It's very much a product of its time and that's okay. And it's interesting to look back on stuff for sure. So this film has a very generous rating of 2.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Maybe a bit cruel. I don't know. It's, it's not that bad. Like, I didn't sit there thinking, oh, this is like the worst movie I've ever seen. Like, there's elements I was quite enjoying. 
then other elements i was like okay this is very problematic this has definitely got that traditional 80s sleeves to it that is exactly how i felt about it and then when i eventually found the score on rotten tomatoes after typing in various titles devouring waves didn't come up Devilfish didn't come up shark monster came up and then told me it was Devilfish. The critics have no comment to make on this at all. There's a zero percent tomato meter. It's just those two little lines. And then it has a 16% audience score. So let's face it, Devilfish isn't a very cherished movie. And that's okay because it's just something that was churned out on, off the back of Jaws. Yeah, you're never going to remember this movie, apart from some of the terrible lines in it. It doesn't really work as a shark movie. The fact is that it only just scrapes by as a shark movie, even though they spend most of the running time arguing whether it's a shark or not. It's silly. It's a bit campy. There's that weird line as well. I mean, when the doctor finds out his wife has been having an affair with the other doctor, he suddenly launches into this tirade against her and calls her a slut. And that's just completely out of left field. Yeah, he's annoyed because he's been... He's been usurped, basically, by his colleague who has been doing stuff behind his back to generate this monster. Up to that point, he's quite a reasonable guy and he's very measured in what he says and he's very scientific. And then all of a sudden, for about 20 seconds, he just goes apeshit and then he just returns to normal. Yeah, this film is full of moments like that. So if you've seen Devil Fish or whatever incarnation you've seen it as, let us know in the comments what you thought of it. And if you're thinking of checking it out, it is free on YouTube, as I say. So it's only recently gone on there as well. So I think grab it while you can, just in case it gets taken down for copyright infringement. We didn't upload it, just to uh, put that out there. We did not upload this film. Some random person on the internet somewhere kindly did it. So we could cover it on this podcast. We are not affiliated with that person. I'm going off on a tandem. I'm very happy that they put it there. It's the sort of movie I was going to say, I probably wouldn't get this on Blu-ray, but if they did a decent edition of it, I probably would, actually. Oh, God, do you really need a Blu-ray of this in your life? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to pass judgment. <laughs> I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 104 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to check out more of our content, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. Summer of Sharks keeps on swimming. Next time, we've got another menace from the deep. And this time, it's a movie that neither of us have seen and... I hadn't actually heard of this movie, to be perfectly honest, until it was mentioned to me. It's Red Water. Yeah, this is a TV movie from 2003 starring Coolio. That takes us back to a bit of Dangerous Minds. And we are also going to have a guest on board with us. As always, we do like to invite guests on for Summer of Sharks. And this is a guest that you haven't seen on HD Movie Podcast before. It is Vinegar Syndrome's Ewan Kant. I'm looking forward to watching this movie and discussing it with you in. So it should be fun. Until then, stay safe, everybody. We'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Ellis Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, 
Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.